You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com All right, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and it is currently the 27th of September 2012 for most of you around the world, 28th of September for those of you across the dateline, and I am broadcasting live this Thursday night, so thanks for tuning in for tonight's edition of the broadcast. And for those of you who were tuning in live on RBN and on the streams at republicbroadcasting.org or on your radio last night, you will have noticed that I was not here. In fact, I was unexpectedly absent from the program, so a rebroadcast was aired So first off, my apologies for people out there. I was planning to have a conversation with Michelle Chosodovsky about weather warfare last night, but unfortunately that fell through because I was sick as a dog and absolutely unable to come to the microphone. So unfortunately I had to step away for a day yesterday, but I'm back on track today and should be um, back on track with all of my various work. So Thanks for holding out during that. And that also meant that, unfortunately, we weren't able to record an edition of New World Next Week with James Evan Pilato last night, or last morning, for me, either. So that does mean that, unfortunately, there will be no New World Next Week this week. So, unfortunately, sometimes that happens and things get the best of us. But I am back on track and back on schedule with with everything, including getting out the last DVDs to fulfill all of the orders that have come out come in so far for my last word DVD uh, that's now available through CorbettReport.com. I'm finally caught up and will be sending off the, the last batch today. That should be everyone who has so far placed an order. And of course, when your order is fulfilled, I will be sending you an email just to let you know that the DVD has been sent out. So thank you all once again for all those people who are supporting my work that way. It is greatly appreciated. And on tonight's edition of the broadcast, we're going to do some news headlines and open phones. So if anyone wants to get in on tonight's broadcast, whatever topic you have on your mind, I'm happy to hear about it. 1-800-313-9443. But tonight we're going to be talking about, well, lies. And since the news is full of lies, this should be a pretty easy uh, broadcast to fill fill up for an hour. In fact, uh, we'd probably need several hours just to go through all the lies that are currently trending in the headlines. But we're going to expose some of the uh, the globalist lies that are being told at this point in time on all sorts of different things, from health and um, related matters, environmental matters, to uh, to economic matters, to the matters of the, the ever-going, never-ending war on terror. And let's start tonight by just a little uh, humorous tidbit. I want to say humorous because it is ridiculous, but unfortunately it's very real, so I guess we can't say it's that humorous. Apparently, Google is now cracking down on publishers, people who publish their own book, for then torrenting their own book. So apparently, even if you make the decision that you want to put your book in the Creative Commons and to put it up on a torrenting site for people to download, Google will then punish your website and delist you from Google AdSense. So there's a... um, There's a person called Cody Jackson who wrote a book called Start Programming with Python which is a uh, programming language, and he wrote this uh, book while he was deployed in Iraq, and he wanted to give it away for free because he had gotten so much from the open source community, so he wanted to give something back. He put his book for free online in the 
torrent trackers. And then he also made it available for people who want to donate through his website. He placed some Google AdSense ads for his website on, uh, on, on the Google AdSense network. And the Google AdSense bot came back with him and said, oh, we can't, you can't be uh, listed on AdSense because you've got copyrighted material on your website. So they're cracking down on copyright by cracking down on people who explicitly have the right to put their works online for free. And when he appealed it, Google apparently looked at the appeal and their AdSense bot came back to say, sorry, your appeal has been denied. You are still in violation. So once again, you're not talking to a real person and it's like uh, Kafka's uh, never-ending trial or it's like the, the seventh circle of hell from which one can never escape. And on that cheery note, we'll be right back with some more lies and news right after these messages. Just give it... Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. This is Corbett Report Radio. Once again, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And tonight on the broadcast, we're going to be breaking down some of the globalist headlines that are making news in the world of mainstream information. And it's funny. Sometimes you have to dig deep and expose the lies for yourself. And other times, the mainstream media actually does it for you. Although generally four or five decades too late and after the worst effects of that, those lies have been uh, unfortunately uh, devastating the human community for, for decades. And here is a prime example of that. So for those of you who have been following the Corbett Report podcast recently, you might have seen my recent podcast episode about GMO foods and their implementation in the... 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today in what is being called the Gene Revolution, which is uh, a follow-up to something that was called the Green Revolution, which was a basically back in the 1950s and 60s, the Rockefeller Foundation and some of the other big uh, big agribusinesses really got off the ground and started coalescing into what we now know of as the modern agricultural uh, giants who basically own so much of the world's food production. And the way they were able to do this was, of course, like so many other things, uh, facilitated through the giant, vast, mind-boggling fortunes of the 19th century robber barons, was through philanthropy. Oh, the Rockefeller Foundation is going around the world, helping everyone out, being nice guys. Oh, it's so beautiful. And so in the 1950s, that took the form of them sponsoring various people who were doing such things as going to Mexico to try to solve the, uh, the, the problem of wheat production in Mexico. Could they make Mexico wheat self-sufficient and actually an exporter of wheat? Well, that seemed pretty unthinkable until a man named Norman Borlaug came on the scene and started experimenting under the auspices of a Rockefeller Foundation grant and managed to come up with a, a well, a genetically modified grain that uh, that seemed resistant to the types of things that it had to be resistant to, and it grew up strong enough, and it was harvestable and all of this goodness. So it basically, uh, according to Norman Borlaug's uh, adherents, he's saved a billion lives because he, he he's uh, forwarded and expanded this technology and made it available to the masses, etc., etc., etc. So if you want more information on that, please go back to my uh, uh, Gene Revolution, the Truth About the Gene Revolution episode of my podcast, where we talk about this and Norman Borlaug and the Rockefeller money that he got to do this, etc. And we broke down some of the lies about the Green Revolution and the Gene Revolution that are 
thrown about by people as it it was such a wonderful philanthropic thing and nobody could fault it when we took a look at a book a book by sorry i wanted to show it for the people who are watching online on the video but i don't have it right to hand uh we we looked at william engdahl's book seeds of destruction and uh, that book has some excellent information on that but some more information has just come out from cbs news so if you turn out to cbs news if you tune in to a story they have under the headline, Modern Wheat, a Perfect Chronic Poison, Doctor Says. They, in a very roundabout way, tell you the truth about what was really going on back in the days of uh, of Norman Borlaug and his supposed saving of a billion lives because he was the greatest human being who ever lived, according to such vast treasure troves of information like Penn and Teller. And uh, this this article says, uh, it's quoting from a book, a new book that's been released by a Dr. William Davis, who's saying that uh, the wheat that we eat these days is a perfect chronic poison, according to Dr. Davis, a cardiologist who has published a book all about the world's most popular grain. And he says that the wheat we eat these days isn't the wheat your grandma had. It's an 18-inch tall plant created by genetic research in the 60s and 70s. The thing, this thing has many new features nobody told you about, such as there's a new protein in this thing called gliadin. It's not gluten. It, I'm not addressing people with gluten sensitivities and celiac disease. I'm talking about everybody else because everybody else is susceptible to the gliadin protein that is an opiate. This thing binds into opiate receptors in your brain and in most people stimulates appetite such that we consume 440 more calories per day, 365 days per year. Very, very fascinating stuff. And I suggest you go through and read read some of that. Look at the related video they have there. Uh, just tons of more information on this. I uh, have put in an interview request for Dr. William Davis to come on the show to talk about this and talk about the plant that... Uh, Assuming I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's talking about the plant that was uh, that was pioneered by Norman Borlaug and the research he was doing, which was introduced because of its abilities to withstand various, uh, you know, environmental phenomenon, etc., and was introduced under the auspices of the Rockefeller Foundation. And now, 50 years later, we're finding out. Oh, by the way, yeah, that that wheat that they introduced that supposedly saved the world, actually, it makes you want to eat more because it's an opiate that binds to your opiate receptors and stimulates your appetite. So so that we're all much fatter now because of this. So, um, so thank you to all of those Rockefeller uh, Foundation people who who sponsored that and brought us into this wonderful world of Big Agra and the uh, the complete uh, monoculture mon- monoculturization of the food supply. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is! Well, let's move on to some other horrific lies that have been told in the past by Big Agra as a way to get us to sign on to their poisons. Of course, number one being that GMO food is perfectly safe. It's the most tested food technology ever invented. So you should go to sleep okay at night knowing that there's nothing wrong with GMOs. Well, a little a little monkey wrench was thrown into those works uh, earlier this month by a team of French scientists who conducted a new study on GMO and found things aren't all as peachy keen as Monsanto and the others would like to tell you. So let's pick this up from an excellent website called naturalsociety.com. I'm sure most of you have seen it already, but if you haven't, please go there. It is a treasure trove of information on this topic and on a lot of health-related topics as well. So I hope you'll go there. They have an excellent uh, chief editor and writer called Anthony Gucciardi, who wrote uh, wrote an article, I should say, on September 19th, 
GMO study, rats fed lifetime of GM, develop mass tumors, and die early. Quote, a new GMO study may very well change the way that the world looks at GMOs once and for all. Complete with shocking and very disturbing photos of rats with tumors larger than a golf ball in size, a new French GMO study has concluded that rats fed a lifelong diet consisting of Roundup containing genetically modified corn suffered serious consequences. While the onset of tumors was the most obvious and damaging effect, the researchers revealed that the rats also received heavy amounts of damage to multiple organs. As a result of the mass mass tumors, liver and kidney damage, it was concluded that around 50% of the males and 70% of the females died prematurely as a result of eating only Roundup-tolerant seed or drinking water with Roundup as approved levels at approved levels set by the United States government. In comparison, only 30% of males and 20% of females died prematurely while consuming traditional alternatives. So once again, you can go there. The uh, The study and the various findings are linked up all, all throughout that article, so you can go and take a look at that for yourself, which I suggest you do. Because once again, this is your life and the life of your of your loved ones that are on the line. So you should inform yourself about this and how this is working as much as possible. And that is a very, very important study. And I don't think it will be surprising to anyone who's had their eye on this particular ball for any length of time. I think we all have all known that this Roundup scam is a scam and that it is not safe to be consuming these GMO foods. But there's just some more scientific fuel on that fire. And lo and behold, it's only been out for a week or two now, but the Monsanto attack dogs are already out in full force to try to discredit this new scientific research. So let's go to thegrocer.co.uk, which had an article, Monsanto goes on offensive over GM cancer study. It says, Monsanto has moved to discredit research linking its GM maize and best-selling weed killer Roundup to increased rates of cancer in rats. The biotech giant claimed the peer-reviewed study, published last week in the chem- journal Food and Chemical Toxicology, did not meet minimum scientific research standards. It concluded that rats fed NK603 maize or drinking water containing small traces of Roundup developed multiple organ failure and died earlier than rats supplied with conventional maize and drinking water free from Roundup. That was the first study to look at the long-term effects of Roundup and NK603, which has been approved for human consumption based on 90-day feeding trials. Scientists found that rats developed mammary tumors and severe liver and kidney damage as early as four months in males and seven in females, compared with 23 months and 14 months respectively in a control group. This study does not meet minimum acceptable standards for this type of scientific research. The findings are not supported by the data presented, and the conclusions are not relevant for the purpose of safety assessment, Monsanto claimed in a statement over the weekend. Toxicologists and public health experts find fundamental problems with the study design. Critical information about how the research was conducted is absent, and the data presented do not support the author's interpretations. So you can go and continue to read Monsanto's uh, little diatribe there, but uh, unfortunately, this is, of course, not the first example of Monsanto lashing out at any research that happens to go against what they're talking about, and it will not be the last, I'm sure, but link it up in the uh, <laughs> in the comments section of this Grocer article is a lot of links by people to various uh, posts that in the past have shown that Monsanto is lying through their teeth about 
basically everything they do. So there's a link to a Washington Post article, Monsanto hid decades of pollution. Uh, there's a gmwatch.org article about Monsanto's unscientific attempt to wiggle out of this hole. Um, there's links to uh, earthopensource.org, responsibletechnology.org, mercola.com, all sorts of links there for uh, different alternative viewpoints on this study and its uh, and the GM holocaust that is being wreaked on our environment even as we speak by Monsanto and its cronies in the biotech industry that once again are being supported by the Rockefellers, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all of these wonderful philanthropic organizations that want to save another billion people by feeding us poison. So as always, we have to do the research for ourselves and look for alternatives. And on that note, we're going to come back right after these messages. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and we are going over headlines and news tonight and exposing lies and showing the lies where they are. But uh, it's not my position here, and I'm not trying to just be defeatist and to tell everyone that everything is doomed and everything's a lie. I think there has to be the alternatives as well. And uh, just on that note of what we were talking about before the break about the GMO foods and how they're finally well, once again being exposed for the lie that they are and uh, the poison that they are. It's also not our job simply just to accept our fate and just continue eating the GMO junk that they're trying to shove down our throats. There has to be an alternative. And for uh, for people stateside, why don't you take a look at nongmoproject.org where you can find out about, well, products that don't contain GMO foods. And uh, they've, they've got their own list there. So don't wait for the government to come along and force corporations to put some kind of label on their foods. Why on earth would we wait for some sort of law on that on that front? Why not just take the power into our own hands, where it always has been and always will be, to set up something like nongmoproject.org, where you can keep track of what foods are safe and are uh, not filled with GMO junk for yourself. So the power lies with you, not with the government, and not with campaigning for another law from on high in Washington, D.C., because we all know where that ultimately leads. And speaking of where that ultimately leads, let's talk about another lie that's being propounded from Washington and other capitals around the world these days, and that's the lie of quantitative easing. Oh, yes, this printing of the money in in just unlimited amounts, just over and over, increasing the amount of money going into the system. This is all good for the economy. It's going to create jobs, and it's, oh, it's just such a wonderful, loving thing that they're doing, these central bankers. And we know that that's a lie top to bottom, but here's an interesting part of this that I'm not sure everybody is aware of or not thinking about specifically. Part of what's going on with all of these quantitative easings and why, for example, we see uh, Mario Draghi admitting or announcing uh, quantitative easing in Europe, followed very quickly by Chairman Bernanke announcing it in the U.S., followed very quickly by the Bank of Japan announcing it here, and China announcing their own stimulus, etc., etc. Why are they all doing it at the same time? Well, it's because because no one wants to be the loser in this global currency game. Because once again, when you are devaluing your currency by printing more and more and more and more, well, that's going to lower the value of your currency, which for your exports gives it an advantage. Your exports suddenly become cheaper because your currency is lower. And this is an interesting aspect of this game that's going on right now, and it was captured pretty well in the in an International Business Times article from yesterday, Global Currency Wars in Full Escalation. 
It says the worldwide currency debasement war has now entered a new and more deadly phase. Central banks have escalated the combat plan to bring about the world's weakest currency for their individual countries. On the heels of the Federal Reserve and European Central Bank's promise of unlimited counterfeiting forever, the Bank of Japan announced last week that it, it would expand its purchase of Japanese government bonds and other assets, including equities, by 10 trillion yen. This brings the latest round of BOJ intervention to a total of 80 trillion yen. The sad fact is that the developed world central banks are in a desperate battle of one-upsmanship. The ill-founded goal is to wreck their currency's value in relationship to other fiat currencies in order to boost manufacturing and stimulate economic growth. But once again, these central bankers have their economics backwards. Well, duh, no surprise there. Well, anyway, you can continue reading that article. For more on that take, talking about the global currency wars that are in full swing, and it's not something that people are necessarily talking about, but it is happening. And it relates to all sorts of things that are happening on the global economic stage right now that are of world historical significance. The the replacement of the U.S. dollar is the, is the reserve currency, and uh, it hasn't exactly been, the dust hasn't settled on that yet, but China's uh, renminbi is looking more and more like it could be. The yuan might, in fact, take over or at least supplement the U.S. dollar's role as a reserve currency. And recently, China and Japan have signed an agreement to trade in Chinese yuan. So this is getting very, very interesting and uh, we'll have to see how it plays out, but it cannot be a good thing for most people, especially people who still have their assets and their value and their, their net savings in paper. If you have it in paper, good luck to you because you're going to need it. Um, here's one example of that from Zero Hedge. Japanese Ministry of Finance to Japanese bondholders. You're screwed. Haha. <laughs> Yes, the uh, Japanese Ministry of Finance has on their blog, they have a post um, of uh, asking a question, what will happen to government bonds in the case that J- Japan becomes insolvent? And uh, the answer is, rest assured that the Japanese government will redeem the bonds responsibly. But of course, in this case, what that means is that they promise they'll pay it back eventually as they're able to in whatever form the currency takes in whatever future society people would be living in. So basically, if the Japanese government becomes insolvent and has to, you know, completely revalue their currency and issue some sort of new fancy currency or whatever, they'll redeem the bonds in the new currency in if they're able to over a period of years. And of course, most of the pensioners who will be relying on their bonds at that point will probably be dead by the time they even see their new devalued currency. But still, just another indication that uh, governments like to assure you, don't worry, if we become insolvent, you'll still be covered. Just buy our bonds. Don't worry about it. But underlying all of this is the fundamental fact that the economy right now is a confidence game. And if you believe the con men, well, hey, I have a bridge to sell you. It's uh, it's right there smack dab in the middle of the U.S. And uh, if, you, if you're interested, get in touch. It's only a few million dollars. All right, on that note, let's uh, take another break. We'll come back to continue breaking down some of these lies. Once again, the phone lines are open if you'd like to get in on the conversation. 1-800-313-9443. Let's take a short breather. We'll be right back after this. If you love your Uncle Sam, bring him home. Bring them home, bring them home. I know it will make all the globalists sad. Bring them home, 
friends welcome back and once again this is james corbett at corbettreport.com and that was bring em home by l evans and i will include the link to uh to that song in the show notes for tonight's episode of course i always like to feature independent and alternative uh, music by people who are putting out a truth message and l evans is among them and that also solves the mystery of our closing music here on the program you might remember a little while back while i was introducing some of the new bumper music here I played the uh, the outro song for that we're using these days. It's called Particular Violence. And I could not for the life of me find in my email the correspondence I had with the author of that song. Well, finally, he's gotten in touch with me. It is L. Evans, and he's uh, done a number of works. So you can uh, follow the link to that particular video that's up on YouTube. Also, you can look at his, his YouTube channel, just uh, 3L3VANS, L. Evans, and uh, you'll be able to... Uh, to browse through some of his other work so i hope you'll check that out and support uh, people who are bringing a truth message as opposed to the people who are bringing the lie messages and unfortunately there's too much of that these days 
So let's get into something that has been on the tip of everyone's tongue for a few weeks now, but now that it's finally dying down, let's cover it. So <laughs> I, I myself have held back on this story for a while because it did not seem we were getting the full, uh, the full story. It seemed like we were being lied to. And lo and behold, hey, we were. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this just out from RT.com. White House new Benghazi attack was a terrorist act from day one. And it says, from day one, the Obama administration was aware that the September 11th assault on the U.S. consulate in Benghazi was a pre-planned terrorist attack, uh, dr- despite offering up conflicting explanations in the weeks since. Unnamed officials confirmed to Fox News that the White House knew that Al-Qaeda-linked terrorists were behind the murder of four Americans in Libya, but only today did U.S. Defense Secretary Leon Panetta publicly acknowledge the truth. Secretary Panetta now admits that the Pentagon knew within hours of the assault on America's Benghazi consulate that left Ambassador Chris Stevens and three others dead that it was an act of terrorism. Okay, you can go and continue reading through that article, and basically they're just blowing the lid off of this lie, this lie that this was all about this video on YouTube suddenly caused this uh, violence in Benghazi. But it is a lie, it's a lie through and through, and as uh, Jack Blood has been going over on No Agenda Radio and others have been pointing out, everything about this is a lie. In fact, the, the, uh, the incident didn't even take place in Benghazi, it happened in the next town over, it's just more convenient to say Benghazi. It didn't take place at a consulate or an embassy or any sort of official place like that, it was more of a safe house that was being used at the time. And uh, so it just top to bottom, front to back, Everything that they've been talking about has been a total lie, total lie. So let's uh, let's start breaking down this lie a little bit uh, further, because um, once again, just uh, when you start to look at this, the the parallels between this and say the Osama bin Laden raid are. Well, quite striking. And, um, well, that was something that was pointed out by uh, Glenn Greenwald in The Guardian recently, where he was basically saying the Benghazi incident is exactly like the Osama bin Laden raid insofar as everything that we were told within the first few hours and first few days of that turned out to have been completely a lie, totally contradicted by what came out later. So once again, we've got this uh, habit of the U.S. government to go out guns blazing and say, this is exactly what happened. And of course, it turns out to be a total, utter misrepresentation of the facts. So why was this done? Why are they lying about this? Why do they want you to believe that all of this is about this innocence of Muslims video? And that's what caused all of this violence, etc. Well, of course, there is the larger picture of how this is one facet of the result of the uh, American presence in Libya. I mean, the fact that uh, America and NATO went into Libya, did its illegal bombing campaign, once again, not authorized by Congress. Obama just committed troops in a, to a kinetic military action, completely eviscerating what was even less the, left of the War Powers Act, which in itself is an evisceration of the Constitution, because there has to be a full formal declaration of war by the Congress. But the War Powers Act gets around that. Well, Obama's gotten around the War Powers Act, so now he can just say, the UN has declared it, so I will go in. I will declare that we will go in. So uh, that's how things work in this new globalist system. And uh, so the perfectly predictable result of that is the fact that there are going to be a mass destabilization in the region. And uh, this is one of those events that are going to happen out of that. The other point, of course, is uh, this is going to uh, the, the official story puts a spin on it that makes the blame. Oh, it's all those crazy Muslims going on after some video. Wow, they're so they're so crazy. They're so ridiculous. 
this is just a random act of violence that we had nothing to do with. Of course, when it's seen as an actual terrorist act that was committed on Americans in Libya, well, that sort of puts a different inflection on it and puts into question all of the lies that Obama's been telling about Libya ever since that uh, kinetic military action happened last year. So it would be a pretty disastrous thing for his reappointment, I won't say re-election, campaign. And uh, that's that's the political side of the spin that's going on. Of course, it's all smoke and mirrors, uh, and the election has already been decided one way or another behind the scenes. I'm imagining at this point that Obama is pretty much guaranteed to be re-elected, but hey, uh, what do I know? Maybe they'll flip the switch at the last moment to Romney. At any rate, it's going to be the exact same thing with a different face. So what does it matter in the end? The answer, once again, does not come from the politics in Washington. That's where all the problems start. And speaking of problems and lies and Washington and terror, let's turn to another interesting thing that happened recently. And it was predicted and predictable. But it is here nonetheless. We have the MEK delisting. Washington openly embraces terrorism. This coming from the LRC blog at lewrockwell.com. That the war on terror is a matter of situational ethics cannot be more clearly demonstrated than by the decision of the U.S. State Department yesterday to remove the Marxist Islamist death and murder cult Mujahideen e Kalk from the U.S. terror list. As Glenn Greenwald pointed out earlier this year, the MEK is jointly funded and trained by Israeli and U.S. intelligence to carry out murder and mayhem inside Iran against civilian targets. It is the murderous and violent vanguard of the U.S. and Israeli war against Iran. It launders money from Israel and the U.S. through U.S. politicians who on one side of their mouths scream about the need to fight terrorism, while on the other they accept millions to lobby for one of the most brutal and bizarre terror cults on earth okay i will stop there you don't need to uh, go into all of that right now but if you are interested in the mek and what they've done and who they are and why basically washington is now openly embracing this terrorist organization delisting them from their terror organization list i will refer you to a eye-opener report i did for boilingfrogspost.com earlier this year about the mek and who they are, where they're coming from, their background, and all of that. But basically, yes, the exact same neocon warmongers who have been screaming about the war on terror are now openly embracing a a terrorist group that openly and admittedly targets civilians inside Iran, because if you're killing civilians in Iran, that's not terror, that's just good foreign policy, according to these neocons. So this is just, uh, again, another perfectly predictable, but here it is nonetheless, result of this phony war on terror. And as we're talking about phony war on terror and Iran, hey, guess what? Guess what's just happened at the UN? Guess who just made a speech? The Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, who we were talking about here on the program a couple of weeks ago as being part of a nuclear smuggling spy ring that had infiltrated the United States as far back as the 1960s, 1970s, and Netanyahu being implicated in that in the FBI's own internal documents that have recently been released by IRMEP, I-R-M-E-P dot org. We were talking to Grant Smith about that scandal recently. Well, here's uh, our good old friend uh, B.B. Netanyahu sitting there at the front of the UN giving a lecture on the red line and Iran. And this is one of those stories that has to really be seen to be understood, and it will probably bring a certain amount of bile to your throat. But 
yes, the uh, the gimmick in this case is that Netanyahu has brought with him a very detailed uh, diagram of the Iranian nuclear weapons program. And uh, if you go to the Friend of Drudge Report right now, it's it's up there. And if you go to uh, NewYorkTimes.com, they have this on a story, Nod to Obama by Netanyahu on Iran Bomb. And basically, it's Netanyahu holding a uh, a crude drawing of, like, basically a cartoon bomb. One of those, you know, round things with the fuse coming out of it. And it it literally is labeled first stage, 70%, and there's a line about two-thirds of the way up the bomb. There's a second stage, 90%. There's a, there's a line just at the, the top, just before it goes into the fuse part of the bomb. And uh, then there's the fuse with the you know, final stage and the big uh, spark coming off it. And uh, so Netanyahu gets his red felt marker and he draws the red line at that 90% second stage mark and makes a big speech about how the, uh, the world uh, must be behind Israel on this and how we must draw the red line before Iran can enter the final stage of enrichment nuclear materials to make a bomb. So it is a ridiculous graphic. It's a ridiculous sign of the things that uh, we've devolved to as a human civilization in terms of our political discourse. But uh, I guess it makes the point pretty effectively for people. Here's the red line, and we must strike before then. All right, so let's uh, just read through some of this. Uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel told the United Nations on Thursday that Iran's capability to enrich uranium must be stopped before next spring or early summer, arguing that by that time the country will be in a position to make a short, perhaps undetectable sprint to manufacture its first nuclear weapon. In his speech at the annual General Assembly, Mr. Netanyahu dramatically illustrated his intention to shut down Iran's nuclear program by drawing a red line through a cartoonish diagram of a bomb. But the substance of his speech suggested a softening of what has been a difficult dispute with the Obama administration on how to confront Iran over its nuclear program. Only two weeks after the dispute broke into the open, Mr. Netanyahu on Thursday praised the the warning Mr. Obama gave Iran in his own General Assembly speech on Tuesday. I very much appreciate the president's position, as does everyone in my country, he said. The Israeli leader's speech also suggested that his deadline for a military strike was well past the American presidential election and into 2013, perhaps as late as next summer. So there you go, friends. The uh, World War III is coming along apace and is shaping up quite dramatically with uh, Netanyahu's admittedly cartoonish props at the UN and giving his props to President Obama because the little feud, the little spat that supposedly has been developing between Netanyahu and Obama and Netanyahu doesn't want to meet with Obama now and blah, blah, blah. It's still just cartoon politics and behind the scenes and uh, in front of the world, they're still on the same page. And they're still touting the same line and reading from the same uh, chorus book. So, once again, they're still uh, hyping up this Iranian nuclear threat. Oh my god, they might, at some point in the future, have enough material to make a single nuclear weapon. And Israel has a few hundred lying in their arsenal, but let's, uh, let's never openly talk about that, because that would just be absolutely outrageous to him to mention that fact. And uh, Israel joining the Non-Proliferation Treaty? You've got to be crazy. Of course not. No, they're the sane, reasonable ones. And uh, Iran are clearly the aggressors here. And they, you know, I mean, they've never invaded a, a country in their in their history. But still, I mean, they're the ones to watch out for. They're the crazy Islamic terrorists. 
So this is the uh, two-facedness that's taking place at the UN, surprise, surprise, and is being breathlessly reported on by the New York Times, which, at the very least, I'll give them props for putting in the word cartoonish to describe this diagram, which certainly is. But once again, it's it's just another startling reminder of how far we've devolved in our discourse. All right, well, those are some of the lies that are trending in the news head lies right now, but there is some truth to be found, and once again, this is not all about pessimism and uh, fear porn. We are here to fill your mind with truth and facts and positivity. So in a certain sense, anytime there is truth that is exposed, no matter how it is exposed, that's a good thing. So when we come back from a break, we're going to be listening to a very interesting clip that's been uh, trending in the last day or two and making the rounds on YouTube, and it's a pretty startling admission of a pretty basic truth that we all know, but it's interesting to hear it coming even from a propaganda mouthpiece. So I'll set it up, I'll explain a little bit more when we come back from this break, so hang on right there. We'll be back in a moment with a little bit more of tonight's Quarter Report Radio. All right, friends, welcome back to the final moments of tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. And tonight we have been going over lies and exposing some of the lies that are being propounded. But uh, with the lies, sometimes comes a startling bit of truth. So I just want to, on a positive note, I guess, uh, note a, uh, a little bit of truth that has slipped out from between the cracks. Again, it's nothing that you guys out there won't be familiar with, but uh, it's interesting to hear it coming from the horse's mouth. In this case, in the form of a man named Patrick Clausen, who is an influential figure at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy at WashingtonInstitute.org. So if you want to go there, you can find out what they're all about. But he made a very interesting comment at a speech about how to uh, basically get Iran's uh, nuclear program off the table and uh, they're talking about ways uh, that wars can start, and he makes a very interesting admission about false flag terror as a way of starting war. So let's listen to that clip. I frankly think that crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Um... Which leads me to conclude that if, in fact, compromise is not coming, that the traditional way of Amer- America gets to war is what would be best for U.S. interests. Uh, some people might think that Mr. Roosevelt wanted to get us into World War II, as David mentioned. You may recall we had to wait for Pearl Harbor. Some people might think Mr. Wilson wanted to get us into World War I. You may recall he had to wait for the Lusitania episode. Some people might think that Mr. Johnson wanted to send troops to Vietnam. You may recall he had to wait for the Gulf of Tonkin episode. Uh, we didn't go to war with Spain until the USS, uh, until the Maine exploded. And may I point out that Mr. Lincoln did not feel he could call out the Federal Army until Fort Sumter was attacked, which is why he ordered the commander at Fort Sumter to do exactly that thing which the South Carolinians had said would cause an attack. So if, in fact, the Iranians aren't going to compromise, it would be best if somebody else started the war. One can combine other means of pressure with sanctions. Uh, I mentioned that explosion uh, on August 17th. Uh, we could step up the pressure. I mean, look, people, Iranian submarines periodically go down. Someday one of them might not come up. Who would know why? <laughs> we can do a variety of things if we wish to increase the pressure. I'm not advocating that. But I'm just suggesting that uh, it, 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 this, this is not a, a either-or proposition. Of, you know, it's just sanctions has to, has to succeed or other things. We are in the game of using covert means against the Iranians. 
we, we could get nastier at that. We are in the game of using covert warfare against the Iranians, and, uh, well, they certainly are, aren't they, with Stuxnet and the uh, the murder and assassination of the Iranian scientists, bombs going off in their cars, etc. This is uh, certainly one hell of a game, and uh, look at the look at the examples that he cites there, the USS Maine, the Gulf of Tonkin, Pearl Harbor, and any common thread there about these incidents that can be y- useful in starting wars? Oh, right, they were all false flag events, and they were all used and uh, hyped up and and made to demonize political enemies, even though they had nothing to do with those enemies. So, well, actually, Pearl Harbor did have something to do with the enemy, but in that case, it was allowed to happen, and we've gone over that in a previous edition of this very radio broadcast. So, um, again, once again, the, the little bit of truth sometimes comes out, and it comes out in surprising ways, in surprising times, from surprising people so I will put the link in uh, the show notes for of course that video and everything we've gone over tonight and I hope you will spread that around and show it to other people because again they uh, sometimes people just need to hear it from someone in a position of authority that uh, that false flag events happen and that they can be used to start wars on that note we're fresh out of time so we're going to have to leave it there once again thank you to everyone for getting in your orders for the last word DVD it's still available for sale so please continue to get those orders in and I will fulfill them as they come in. On that note, we'll leave it there and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again in 23 hours. So until then, thanks for listening and take care.